Well, again, good morning. Glad that you're here to worship with us today. And those watching online, I trust that this morning will be an encouragement to you also. Worship. We're called to worship God in all areas of our life, including the workplace. And Paul, the apostle, as we're continuing looking through the book of Colossians, is going to be reminding of us that of us this morning beginning in verse 22 of Colossians 3. According to a 2022 Zipia research survey, 89% of workers admit to wasting time every day at work. This same survey also said that U.S. employees spend an average of 2.9 hours per eight-hour workday doing non-working activities. Now, I'm sure that, that we can each think back to a recent conversation that we've had with someone that included discussion about the decreased work ethic in our culture. People don't just work, they just don't work hard anymore. Now, on Thursday, I was at a memorial service, and I was talking to a man who... Uh, was in leadership in his workplace, and, and he was sharing the struggles and frustration that they had with unmotivated workers. Now, don't worry, this guy lives in another city, so he was not referring to any of you. We're not going to have your picture or name up on the board, anything like that. But work, diligence in the workplace, Next to our home, we spend more time in the workplace than any other place during our adult years. And in fact, often we are defined by what we do. Introduce yourself to a new person or someone you don't know, and, and one of the first questions that come up is, well, what do you do? Oftentimes we're defined by our work, by our position. And as Christians, we should be the best workers on our job. And that's regardless of our position or our pay. And along with that, one of the best places to impact our world is in the workplace. We've been continuing through the book of Colossians, obviously now in chapter 3. And in chapter 3, been looking at some of the different ways that Christ impacts our life. Verse 15, here's just a few examples. Verse 15, we, we see how Christ impacts our life in the peace that He gives us that fills our hearts. In verses 16 and 17, we're reminded about how His Word changes our actions. In verses 18 through 21 that we looked at last week, we, we saw how His presence should transform our families. And now beginning in verse 22, we see how His power should impact our work. Now, Paul speaks here in this passage of slaves and masters. But we're going to thankfully, apply these principles to employees and employers. And before we get into that, I want to speak to a, what we can consider the elephant in the room. Many people look at what the Bible says about slaves and masters and, and struggle with why doesn't the Bible seem to talk about more? Why didn't Jesus talk more about 
how slavery should be abolished. Did the Bible and did Jesus think that slavery was a good thing? The answer to that is no. And you see it in some of the things that were said. In the Old Testament, there were servants in the Jewish households. Now, a couple things about that. They were voluntarily placing themselves under the authority of the, another person. In fact, it was for a certain period of time to pay off debts or whatever, and then they had a time where they were freed from the debts, freed from the requirements, but some of them chose to say, you know, things are going a lot better here working in this household than I was on my own, and so I choose to, for my lifetime, become a servant here, and they would take an awl and poke a hole through their ear, and that was a sign that for their life they chose to be a servant or a slave. In fact, we use the term bond slave, and the Apostle Paul uses it in many of his introductions to his writings in the New Testament where it says, Paul, a bond slave or a bond servant of Jesus Christ, voluntarily putting himself under the authority of of someone else, for him, of God. Now that's a little easier to explain than what was taking place in the Roman culture. In fact, in the Roman culture that Paul was writing in at this time here in the first century, slaves were considered little more than tools to be used. And many masters were extremely harsh so why didn't Paul stand up and lead a crusade to abolish slavery? Well, a couple things. Paul was challenging us in an imperfect world to live a godly life. They estimate that approximately 40% of the people living at that time were slaves. But Paul also challenged in God's word, not just in Paul's writings, but others also challenged to treat each other as equal before God. And it's fascinating to see that, that the impact that Christianity had in that Roman world, but also in civilization since then, that Christianity had in the removal of slavery. People like William Wilberforce in England and also here in the United States, many Christians, as slavery was abolished, who, who stood up and, and talked about rights for people and, and God's love for everyone. We were all equal under God. So while Paul was speaking to literal slaves and masters here in Colossians 3, we find that we can take the principles of his word of God's Word, of Paul's writings, and how we should live in the workplace, how we should worship in the workplace. So let's look, beginning in verse 22, he speaks to employees, for him, to bondservants. Colossians 3, beginning in verse 22, it says, Bondservants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. 
but he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. Now, there are several characteristics in these verses that, that we should live out as employees, as followers of Christ in the workplace. The first one we see in the beginning of verse 22, the, the idea of obedience. And it says, obedience in all things, both the enjoyable and the distasteful. We need to do what we're asked and do it with a good attitude. As Christian workers, we should be known as employees that follow the directions of those who are over us. In all things, and if you've been at Hannah for very long, you're probably sick of this saying, one of my favorite little sayings, what does all mean? All means all. That's all all means. We need to do it in all things. Obviously, nothing unethical or immoral, but oftentimes in things distasteful. We need to follow the leadership that's been placed over us. And the second thing we see is the idea and the attitude of integrity. And we are to have integrity at all times, not with eye service as men pleasers. It's interesting how Paul pictures that out. Our goal sometimes is to please the boss. If your goal in work is only to please the boss, guess what happens when the boss is around or, or the light shining on you, you'll be more diligent than when you think you're in the shadows and it won't be noticed. We need to have integrity in our work. John Maxwell and Jim Dornan wrote a book called Becoming a Person of Influence. And in that book, they... They shared the, the ways that you can have an influence, and their writers on leadership and talking about in the workplace was a main focus of this. And they said one of the key foundations to having influence is you have to be a person of integrity. Without integrity, you will not have influence. And so in the section dealing with integrity, they shared three truths about integrity. Number one, integrity is not determined by our circumstances. Oftentimes we say, well, you know, uh, this my situation is going to affect how I do this. I'm going to fudge a little bit here because it just needs to get done. Or I, I, I'm going to, we need to make a little more money, so I'm going to be unfair in my treatment to that person or that business that we're dealing with. Integrity needs to be at all times. It's not determined by our circumstances. It's also not based on our credentials. And it's not to be confused with reputation. Now, the Bible tells us we should strive to have a good reputation. It says a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. But what's the difference between reputation and character, between having a good reputation and being a person of integrity? A reputation is what others think about you. Your character, your integrity, is, deals with who you are. Integrity is who we are when we think no one is watching. And we need to have the character of integrity. 
We've all worked in a place where the work ethic rises dramatically when the boss is looking, right? It's amazing how more work gets done when you, when you think you're being observed by someone who has authority to affect your work or lack thereof. But as a Christ follower, we should work just as diligently when the boss is out of town or dealing with another department. Our ultimate goal is not just to impress our boss. Our ultimate goal needs to be to honor Christ in the way that we work. As Christians, we should be known for our integrity. And then we see in verse 23 that we are to be people of diligence. It says to work heartily. Whatever you do, do it all as to the Lord and not to men. We need to, not to men. We need to give it our all. The phrase good enough should not be a regular part of our, of our vocabulary. Oh, that's good enough. That'll work. If we catch ourselves saying that a lot, it means that we're just trying to get by rather than doing our best. And I have to laugh about this a little bit because yesterday we, we went over and we helped our son and daughter-in-law have a house by Missoula, and it's a, it's a project house. We'll put it that way. And so we went over, and we're going to try to help them. He was, they're replacing the tub and doing some tiling and things in their bathroom. And, and my son is a perfectionist, a very much a perfectionist. So we, we put in the tub. He had already gotten the old one out. We put in the tub, and we start to put the, the cement board around the back because we're going to tile it. And, and, and we, we take, we want to make sure everything's level and everything's secure. And, and we get it done. And, I mean, this takes most of the day. And then he brings the level back in, and he starts checking the things that we had just installed. And I said, Zach, it's good enough. And then I had to laugh because I knew I was going to talk about this this morning. <laughs> but I do want to tell you on my defense, we had leveled it more than once before we installed it. And by the way, it was also pretty level. But it's like, put it away. We're not doing it again. <laughs> but guess what? In our work, we should not be happy with good enough. We need to do our best. We need to have diligence. Proverbs 13.4 says, The soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. As Christians, we should be known as the most diligent workers in our workplace. And then he continues on in verse 23, and he, and he helps us focus on reverence. It says that we're to work as to the Lord and not to men. We are ultimately accountable to Christ. We can pull the wool over the eyes of our boss because they're human, but Christ sees it all. And that's who we're really working for. We are working for Christ. 
And our respect for our boss should be a reflection of our commitment to Christ. As with Christians, we're to honor Christ in our work, no matter our position. And one of the things that happens is, is we may try to make a, a strong distinction between the, the sacred and the secular. And that's a very dangerous thing to do. God needs to affect our life on Thursday afternoon just as much as he does on Sunday morning. And my relationship with Jesus Christ should affect every single area of my life. He needs to be the center of it all. And being the center of it all, he affects the way I worship on Sunday morning. But he also affects the way I worship in my workplace on Thursday afternoon. Or the way that I worship in my family during, on Monday night or whatever time or day in whatever situation. God is the center of it all. And we don't separate the secular from the sacred. We need to understand that in reverence that we are working for Jesus Christ and not our boss. And it's important to understand that our reverence makes our menial tasks noble tasks. We're doing it for God. Maybe you work in a position where it just seems like you just are doing some, whether it's a repetitive activity or it doesn't seem to be making much of a difference in the world you do make a difference because a world is watching how you work. And you have more of an impact than you believe that you may have. As Christians, we must work harder in order to honor God. And in that, verses 24 and 25, Paul challenges us to recognize a couple things. We need to recognize that we should be models in terms of our attitude, in terms of our diligence, in terms of our integrity in the workplace. Stories told of a, a large city businessman who became fond of a young boy who shined his shoes every day. And this boy did such a good job that one day the businessman asked him, he said, Son, how come you are so conscientious in your work? And the boy replied, he said, Mr., I'm a Christian, and I try to shine every pair of shoes as if Jesus Christ was wearing them. The story doesn't stop there. The businessman saw something genuine in that shoeshine boy. And soon after that conversation, he began to read the Bible. And as he shares, when he decided to be a Christian himself, he he credited his decision to that young boy who shined every pair of shoes as if Jesus was wearing them. We make an impact. And the workplace is one of the areas, one of the, the places where we have, in many cases, a captive audience to watch us. And if we don't honor God in the way we work, we won't have a voice to share about the God we need to honor. And so we need to recognize we're to be models in terms of our attitudes, diligence, and integrity. And he also tells us in verse 24, and then also in the negative in verse 25, that our work will be rewarded by God. 
Even when we feel unappreciated, maybe we feel undervalued at our job, we can look forward to the reward that will be given by our ultimate master, God himself. There's a story of a missionary couple that was, had spent years and years in Africa and they were arriving back to the United States and they were coming by boat to New York Harbor. This was years ago. But they ended up on the same boat with President Roosevelt who was coming home from a couple weeks safari where he'd been out viewing and hunting animals. So when the boat arrived in New York Harbor, it arrived with great pomp and circumstances as the president came off, a band played, people cheered, and the president came off after having an incredibly successful safari in Africa. But this missionary couple just sort of came off unnoticed. So that night as they were getting ready for bed, the the husband said in frustration, we spent all these years and gave all this time and poured our heart into this and it went on unnoticed. And the president goes and spends a couple weeks looking at animals, trying to shoot a few, talking to people, and he comes home. It's not fair. And his wife said, well, here's the thing, honey. We're not home yet. You see, we're not home yet. You may say, it it doesn't do any good to work hard to show integrity and diligence because everybody else is cutting corners or when I work hard, it gets unnoticed. I'm underpaid and overworked. But guess what? God notices And that's where the true reward comes in. Now, we don't work hard for our salvation. Our salvation is by grace through faith. But as followers of Christ, we honor him by working hard. And we need to do that. But oftentimes you say we don't get enough money. Or oftentimes you say, well, you don't know my boss. You ever hear that? I could ask if you've ever said that. I'm not going to ask you if you've ever said that, but think maybe you have. You don't know my boss. They don't deserve my hard work. Listen to what Peter says in 1 Peter 2.18. And again, he's speaking about masters and servants or slaves. He says, servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. You see, your work ethic should not be dependent upon the quality of your boss. It's dependent upon your relation with your Savior. Now, if you have a rotten boss, just a little... uh, Step aside here, just a little advice from John. You might want to look for a different job. But until you have a different job, you give your all to that boss you're currently working for. Because you're not working for them, you're working for Christ. And because of your relationship with Christ, you are going to work hard. And you're going to honor those above you in the workplace. 
But now some of you here today are the boss. Paul has some things to share with you in the first verse of chapter 4. Employers. What does God say about those employers? Colossians 4.1 says, Masters, give your bondservants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Now compared to the employee or slave section, it's quite a bit shorter, but just as difficult. Several things that Paul brings out here. First of all, we see that we're to treat employees with justice and fairness. If you're the boss, you need to be fair and just with those people who are put under your authority. It says, beginning in verse 1, Masters, give your bondservants what is just and fair. Consider the golden rule. Treat others as you would like to be treated. Now, if you are an employee... Oftentimes it may be hard to mistreat others because you don't have any authority. But if you're the boss, it's much easier to mistreat others, to throw your weight around. But God says, no, you treat them fairly. A good way to think of this, am I asking that person to do something that I would be unwilling to do myself? And why should I expect them to do it if I would be unwilling to do it if I was asked? I treat them fairly. I treat them with justice. God calls us to be diligent as the boss just as much as we are to be diligent as the employee. Now, obviously, the boss oftentimes has different responsibilities. But the employees, if you are a boss and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, they should look at you and they should recognize that you have just as high, if not higher, of a work ethic than anyone else in the company. You treat them with justice and fairness and you realize that they are equal in value. Remember back to verse 11 from a few weeks ago, Colossians 3.11, where Paul challenged that we are all equal in Christ, and one of the examples that he used there is neither slave nor free. We are equal in value. That person may not have the same position or the same power in the company that you have, but they are equally precious and valued before God, and you need to recognize that they have value to your company too. And then you need to recognize that every single one of us are under the authority of God. With power comes the temptation to consider yourself the final authority, but recognizes that God that you need to recognize that God is the ultimate authority and we will all stand before him. And just like an employee an employer can impact others in the way that we serve and work as the boss. And just like the employee, the boss can have a positive or negative influence and impact upon those around them. So, Employers, employees, no matter your position, here's the key. The key is this, let your work honor Christ and be, and your work, be a way to reach your world for him.
Titus chapter 2, the Apostle Paul writing to a young pastor named Titus, similar passage that we have here in Colossians 3, but he's talking to slaves, or challenging Titus as he talks to slaves. It says, teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything, to try to please them, not to talk back to them, and not to steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted. Now listen to the end of this. All right, so we're to, be, we're to try to please the master, try to not talk back to them, don't steal from them, to be trustworthy, so that in every way they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. Do you make God attractive in your workplace? When others see you, if they know that you're a follower of Jesus Christ, and hopefully they should know that, are they attracted to the God whom you claim to serve? So in preparing for this, I've been challenged in my work. How can I do a better job? How can I be a worker that honors God in my position, what can I do to honor God more in the way that I work? And so there are multiple of things that I can do, but a couple that I have that, that came to mind specifically. And so I've been praying, God, help me in these areas to do a, a better job. And I had some specific things that I put down. All right, Lord, help me to do this and this. And I've been praying. And over the last period of time as I've been preparing for this message, and by the way, it hasn't been over the last 30 minutes that I've been preparing for this message. It's been a little over a week. I've been trying to implement those things with God's help. And in just a minute, we're going to pray. But as we pray, and I'm going to give you some time to pray silently, and as we pray, I'm going to challenge you to think of one or two things that you are going to ask God to help you do this week to honor him in the way that you work. And you say, well, you're going to have two responses that come to your mind. First of all, well, there's a lot more than one or two. Yes, for every single one of us, there are more than one or two. But I find if we get a list of ten it just sort of overwhelms us and we just la da 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 Or the other thing that we do is we just make a generic prayer. Lord, help me to be a better worker. And about Tuesday, or actually really more reality, about three minutes after you leave this morning, you'll have forgotten all about that. But if there's one or two things that you go before God and you commit to and you regularly pray about then you can implement those things. Yeah, there may be more. So then once you're getting working and improving in these areas, you add the others to it. So it needs to be one or two things, and I want you to make it specific. Now, Lord, help me to be a better worker. Lord, help me to do this. And I'll give you just a few examples. Maybe at your work you have a 15-minute break every so many hours. Every 30 hours of work you get 15 minutes. Isn't that what you feel like at your work, right? Yeah. So if you have a break, is your break 
does it fit in the allotted time or you just sort of slide in and slide out of your break and pretty soon 15 minutes turns into 25? Or maybe at the end of the workday or at the end right before lunch, you have some things that you can do that really don't have a lot of value and don't take a lot of effort, but you can look busy. And so you just sort of slide into your lunch hour or in the afternoon you're tired, you just sort of slide into the end of the workday. And while you may look busy, you're not really accomplishing much. Or maybe there's a project that, that you're working on that you catch yourself saying often, well, good enough. Are there one or two specific things that you can do in that project to make it really good rather than okay? And not that the boss will be impressed or you'll get a raise. And those may happen, but that's not the reason you're doing it. You're doing it because you're a follower of Jesus Christ. And you do your best. Now, I know there's also some of you here today that say, Phew, that's good. Boy, uh, that person sitting next to me really needs to listen to this. But I'm not part of the workforce. Guess what? We all need to be working. Maybe it's in a volunteer position. Maybe you're retired. Or maybe you're a student. And you don't have a job but you work in a classroom or online. What happens? Are, are you saying, you know what? This project, I can go the extra mile. It probably won't be reflected in any change in my grade, but as a follower of Jesus Christ, I'm going to do my best. Or a volunteer position that you work at, that, that, and I'm glad you volunteer, and we all should volunteer in various areas, in the church, in the community, wherever it's at. But are you part of that volunteer team that shines for your diligence and your attitude and your integrity as you work? So we're going to pray. And I'm going to give you some time to silently go before God and think of one or two specific things that you're going to do this week to do a better job of honoring God in your work. And then I'll lead us in a corporate prayer. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for your love and grace in our lives. And for each of us here that has a job, Lord, help us to be thankful for the position that you've given us, the benefits that we have from that. Lord, help us to recognize that our work comes from you and help us to work for you. Lord, help us to be diligent, whether a large company or a company of one or two, Lord, help us to be known for our diligence, our integrity. 
Lord, help those around us to see a positive reflection of you in the way that we work. Lord, wherever our circumstance or situation of life takes us, we want to be people of integrity, people of diligence. Lord, for each one of us here, each one watching online, Lord, those things that that we have brought before you that we want to improve on with your power and for your glory, Lord, help us to be faithful and diligent in, in doing those, improving in those areas, and in that, honoring you in the way we work. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.